The Greek word that is there rendered abhor is very significant. It signifies to hate it as hell itself, to hate it with horror. Anselm used to say that if he should see the shame of sin on the one hand and the pains of hell on the other, and must of necessity choose one, he would rather be thrust into hell without sin than to go into heaven with sin, so great was his hatred and detestation of sin. It is our wisest and safest course to stand at the furthest distance from sin, not to go near the house of the harlot, but to fly from all appearance of evil. Proverbs 5, verses 8, and 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22. The best course to prevent falling into the pit is to keep at the greatest distance. He that will be so bold as to attempt to dance upon the brink of the pit may find by woeful experience that it is a righteous thing with God that he should fall into the pit. Joseph keeps at a distance from sin and from playing with Satan's golden baits and stands. David draws near and plays with the bait and falls and swallows bait and hook with a witness. With a witness used in the sense of and make no mistake. David comes near the snare and is taken into it to the breaking of his bones, the wounding of his conscience, and the loss of his God. Footnote. It was a divine saying of a heathen that if there were no God to punish him, no devil to torment him, no hell to burn him, no man to see him, yet would he not sin for the ugliness and filthiness of sin and the grief of his own conscience. End of footnote. Sin is a plague, yea, the greatest and most infectious plague in the world, and yet, ah, how few are there that tremble at it and that keep a distance from it. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? As soon as one sin had seized upon Adam's heart, all sin entered into his soul and overspread it. How hath Adam's one sin spread over all mankind? Romans 5.12 Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Ah, how doth the father's sin infect the child, the husband's infect the wife, the master's the servant. The sin that is in one man's heart is able to infect a whole world. It is of such a spreading and infectious nature. The story of the Italian who first made his enemy deny God and then stabbed him and so at once murdered both body and soul declares the perfect malignity of sin and though that what hath been spoken upon this head may prevail with you to stand at a distance from sin. Remedy 2 to consider that sin is but a bitter sweet. That seeming sweet that is in sin will quickly vanish and lasting shame, sorrow, horror, and terror will come in the room thereof. Though wickedness be sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue, though he stir it and forsake it not, but keep it still within his mouth, yet his meat in his bowels is turned. It is the gall of asps within him. Job 20 verses 12 through 14 Forbidden prophets and pleasures are most pleasing to vain men who count madness mirth. Many long to be meddling with the murdering morsels of sin which nourish not but rend and consume the belly, the soul that receives them. Many eat that on earth that they digest in hell. Sin's murdering morsels will deceive those that devour them. Adam's apple was a bitter sweet. Esau's mess was a bitter sweet. 
The Israelites' quails, a bittersweet. Jonathan's honey, a bittersweet. And Adonijah's dainties, a bittersweet. After the meal is ended, then comes the reckoning. Men must not think to dance and dine with the devil and then to sup with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. To feed upon the poison of asps and yet that the viper's tongue should not slay them. Footnote When the golden bait is set forth to catch us, we must say, as Demosthenes, the orator did, of the beautiful lady, when he was asked an excessive sum of money to behold her, I will not buy repentance so dear. I am not so ill a merchant as to sell eternals for temporals. If intemperance could afford more pleasure than temperance, Heliogallios should have been more happy than Adam in paradise. In the footnote. When the asp stings a man, it doth first tickle him so as it makes him laugh, till the poison by little and little gets to the heart, and then it pains him more than ever it delighted him. So doth sin. It may please a little at first, but it will pain the soul with a witness at last. Yea, if there were the last real delight in sin, there could be no perfect hell, where men shall most perfectly be tormented with their sin. Remedy 3 Solemnly to consider that sin will usher in the greatest and saddest losses that can be upon our souls. It will usher in the loss of that divine favor that is better than life, and the loss of that joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, and the loss of that peace that passeth understanding, and the loss of those divine influences by which the soul hath been refreshed, quickened, raised, strengthened, and gladdened, and the loss of many outward desirable mercies which otherwise the soul might have enjoyed. It was a sound and savory reply of an English captain at the loss of Callius, when a proud Frenchman scornfully demanded, When will you fetch Callias again? replied, When your sins shall weigh down ours. Ah, England, my constant prayer for thee is that thou mayest not send away thy mercies into their hands that cannot call mercy, mercy, and that would joy in nothing more than to see thy sorrow and misery, and to see that hand to make thee naked, that hath clothed thee with much mercy and glory. Remedy 4 Seriously to consider that sin is of a very deceitful and bewitching nature. Footnote In Sardis there grew an herb called Appium Sardis that would make a man lie laughing when he was deadly sick. Such is the operation of sin. End of footnote Sin is from the greatest deceiver. It is a child of his own begetting. It is the ground of all the deceit in the world and it is in its own nature exceeding deceitful but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3.13 It will kiss the soul and pretend fair to the soul and yet betray the soul forever. It will with Delilah smile upon us that it may betray us into the hands of the devil as she did Samson into the hands of the Philistines. Sin gives Satan the power over us and an advantage to accuse us and to lay claim to us as those that wear his badge. It is of a very bewitching nature. It bewitches the soul where it is upon the throne, that the soul cannot leave it, though it perish eternally by it. Footnote Which occasioned Chrysostom to say, when Eudoxia the Empress threatened him, 
Go tell her, I fear nothing but sin. End of footnote. Sin so bewitches the soul that it makes the soul call evil good and good evil, bitter sweet and sweet bitter, light darkness and darkness light. And a soul thus bewitched with sin will stand it out to the death at the sword's point with God. Let God strike and wound and cut to the very bone, yet the bewitched soul cares not, fears not, but will still hold on in a course of wickedness, as you may see in Pharaoh, Balaam, and Judas. Tell the bewitched soul that sin is a viper that will certainly kill when it is not killed, that sin often kills secretly, insensibly, eternally, yet the bewitched soul cannot and will not cease from sin. When the physicians told Theotimus that except he did abstain from drunkenness and uncleanness he would lose his eyes, his heart was so bewitched to his sins that he answered, Then farewell, sweet light. He had rather lose his eyes than leave his sin. So a man bewitched with sin had rather lose God, Christ, heaven, and his own soul than part with his sin. Oh, therefore, forever take heed of playing with or nibbling at Satan's golden baits. Device 2 By painting sin with virtue's colors Satan knows that if he should present sin in its own nature and dress, the soul would rather fly from it than yield to it. And therefore he presents it unto us, not in its own proper colors, but painted and gilded over with the name and show of virtue, that we may the more easily be overcome by it, and take the more pleasure in committing of it. Pride he presents to the soul under the name and notion of neatness and cleanliness, and covetousness, which the apostle condemns for idolatry, to be but good thrift or economy, and drunkenness to be good fellowship, and riotousness under the name and notion of liberality, and wantonness as a trick of youth. Remedy 1. Consider that sin is never a whip the less filthy, vile, and abominable by its being colored and painted with virtue's colors. A poisonous pill is never a whit the less poisonous because it is gilded over with gold. Nor a wolf is never a whit the less a wolf because he hath put on a sheep's skin. Nor the devil is never a whit the less a devil because he appears sometimes like an angel of light. So neither is sin any whit the less filthy and abominable by its being painted over with virtue's colors. Remedy 2 That the more sin is painted forth under the color of virtue, the more dangerous it is to the souls of men. This we see evident in these days by those very many souls that are turned out of the way that is holy, and in which their souls have had sweet and glorious communion with God, into ways of highest vanity and folly, by Satan's neat coloring over of sin, and painting forth vice, under the name and color of virtue. This is so notoriously known that I need but name it. The most dangerous vermin is too often to be found under the fairest and sweetest flowers. The fairest glove is often drawn upon the foulest hand, and the richest robes are often put on the filthiest bodies. So are the fairest and sweetest names upon the greatest and the most horrible vices and errors that be in the world. Ah, that we had not too many sad proofs of this among us. Remedy 3 To look on sin with that eye with which within a few hours we shall see it. 
Our souls, when you shall lie upon a dying bed and stand before a judgment seat, sin shall be unmasked, and its dress and robes shall then be taken off, and then it shall appear more vile, filthy, and terrible than hell itself. Then that which formerly appeared most sweet will appear most bitter, and that which appeared most beautiful will appear most ugly, and that which appeared most delightful will then appear most dreadful to the soul. Footnote. Tacitus speaks of Tiberius, that when his sins did appear in their own colors, they so did terrify and torment him that he protested to the Senate that he suffered daily. Ah, the shame, the pain, the gall, the bitterness, the horror, the hell that the sight of sin, when its dress is taken off, will raise in poor souls. Sin will surely prove evil and bitter to the soul when its robes are taken off. A man may have the stone who feels no fit of it. Conscience will work at last, though for the present one may feel no fit of accusation. Laban showed himself at parting. Sin will be bitterness in the latter end when it shall appear to the soul in its own filthy nature. The devil deals with men as the panther death with beasts. He hides his deformed head till his sweet scent hath drawn them into his danger. Till we have sinned, Satan is a parasite. When we have sinned, he is a tyrant. Footnote Satan, that now allures thee to sin, will ere long make thee to see that sin is a murdering of God, and this will make thee murder too at once, thy soul and thy body, unless the Lord in mercy holds thy hands. O souls, the day is at hand when the devil will pull off the paint and garnish that he hath put upon sin, and present that monster, sin, in such a monstrous shape to your souls that will cause your thoughts to be troubled, your countenance to be changed, the joints of your loins to be loosed, and your knees to be dashed one against another, and your hearts to be so terrified that you will be ready with Athelophel and Judas to strangle and hang your bodies on earth and your souls in hell, if the Lord hath not more mercy on you than he had on them. O therefore, look upon sin now as you must look upon it to all eternity, and as God, conscience and Satan will present it to you another day. Remedy 4 Seriously to consider that even those very sins that Satan paints and puts new names and colors upon cost the best blood, the noblest blood, the life blood, the heart blood of the Lord Jesus. That Christ should come from the eternal bosom of his Father to a region of sorrow and death. That God should be manifested in the flesh, the Creator made a creature. That he that was clothed with glory should be wrapped with rags of flesh. He that filled heaven and earth with his glory should be cradled in a manger. That the power of God should fly from weak man, the God of Israel, into Egypt. That the God of the law should be subject to the law, the God of the circumcision circumcised, the God that made the heavens working at Joseph's homely trade, that he that binds the devils in chains should be tempted, that he whose is the world and the fullness thereof should hunger and thirst, that the God of strength should be weary, the judge of all flesh condemned, the God of life put to death, that he that is one with the Father should cry out of misery, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
Matthew 27:46, that he that had the keys of hell and death at his girdle should lie imprisoned in the sepulchre of another, having in his lifetime nowhere to lay his head, nor after death to lay his body. That that head, before which the angels do cast down their crowns, should be crowned with thorns, and those eyes, purer than the sun, put out by the darkness of death, those ears which hear nothing but hallelujahs of saints and angels, to hear the blasphemies of the multitude, that faith that was fairer than the sons of men, to be spit on by those beastly wretched Jews, that mouth and tongue that spake as never man spake, accused for blasphemy, those hands that freely swayed the scepter of heaven nailed to the cross, those feet like unto fine brass, nailed to the cross for man's sins, each sense annoyed, his feeling or touching, with a spear and nails, his smell with stinking flavor, being crucified about Golgotha, the place of skulls, his taste with vinegar and gall, his hearing with reproaches, and sight of his mother and disciplines bemoaning him, his soul comfortless and forsaken, and all this for those very sins that Satan paints and puts fine colors upon. Oh, how should the consideration of this direct the soul against it, and help the soul to fly from it, and to use all holy means whereby sin may be subdued and destroyed. Footnote One of the rabbins, when he read what bitter torments the Messiah should suffer when he came into the world, cried out, Let the Messiah come, but let not me see him. Dionysus, being in Egypt at the time of Christ's suffering and seeing an eclipse of the sun, and knowing it to be contrary to nature, cried out, Either the God of nature suffers, or the frame of the world will be dissolved. End of footnote. After Julius Caesar was murdered, Antonius brought forth his coat, all bloody and cut, and laid it before the people, saying, Look, here you have the emperor's coat, thus bloody and torn whereupon the people were presently in an uproar and cried out to slay those murderers. And they took their tables and stools that were in the place and set them on fire and ran to the houses of them that had slain Caesar and burnt them. So that when we consider that sin hath slain our Lord Jesus, ah, how should it provoke our hearts to be revenged on sin that hath murdered the Lord of glory and hath done that mischief that all the devils in hell could never have done. It is an excellent saying of Bernard, The more vile Christ made himself for us, the more dear he ought to be to us. It was good counsel one gave, Never let go out of your minds the thoughts of a crucified Christ. Footnote O my God, as long as I see thy wounds, I will never live without wounds, said Bonaventure. End of footnote let these be meat and drink unto you. Let them be your sweetness and consolation, your honey and your desire, your reading and your meditation, your life, death, and resurrection. Device 3. By extenuating and lessening of sin. Ah, saith Satan, it is but a little pride, a little worldliness, a little uncleanness, a little drunkenness, etc. As Lot said of Zohar, it is but a little one, and my soul shall live. Genesis 19.20 Alas, saith Satan, it is but a very little sin that you stick so at. 
you may commit it without any danger to your soul. It is but a little one, you may commit it, and yet your soul shall live. Remedy 1 First, solemnly consider that those sins which we are apt to account small have brought upon men the greatest wrath of God, as the eating of an apple, gathering a few sticks on the Sabbath, and touching of the ark. Oh, the dreadful wrath that these sins brought down upon the heads and hearts of men. Footnote Draco, the rigid lawgiver, being asked why, when sins were not equal, he appointed death to all, answered, He knew that all sins were not equal, but he knew the least deserved death. So, though the sins of men be not all equal, yet the least of them deserves eternal death. End of footnote. The least sin is contrary to the law of God, the nature of God, the being of God, and the glory of God. And therefore it is often punished severely by God. And do not we see daily the vengeance of the Almighty falling upon the bodies, names, states, families, and souls of men for those sins that are but little ones in their eyes? Surely if we are not utterly left of God and blinded by Satan, we cannot but see it. Oh, therefore, when Satan says, It is but a little one, do thou say, Oh, but those sins that thou callest little are such as will cause God to rain hell out of heaven upon sinners as he did upon the Sodomites. Remedy 2 Seriously to consider that the giving way to a less sin makes way for the committing of a greater. He that to avoid a greater sin will yield to a lesser, ten thousand to one, but God in justice will leave that soul to fall into a greater. If we commit one sin to avoid another, it is just we should avoid neither, we having not law nor power in our hands to keep off sin as we please. And we, by yielding to the lesser, do tempt the tempter to tempt us to the greater. Sin is of an encroaching nature. It creeps upon the soul by degrees, step by step, till it hath the soul to the very height of sin. Footnote Psalm 137 verse 9 Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. Hugo's glass is pious. Let there be nothing in thee of Babylon. Not only the grown men, but the little ones must be dashed against the stones. Not only great sins, but little sins must be killed, or they will kill the soul forever. End of footnote. David gives way to his wandering eye, and this led him to those foul sins that caused God to break his bones and to turn his day into night, and to leave his soul in great darkness. Jacob and Peter, and other saints, have found this true by woeful experience, that the yielding to a lesser sin hath been the ushering in of a greater. The little thief will open the door, and make way for the greater, and the little wedge knocked in will make way for the greater. Satan will first draw thee to sit with the drunkard, and then to sit with the drunkard, and then at last to be drunk with the drunkard. He will first draw thee to be unclean in thy thoughts, and then to be unclean in thy looks, and then to be unclean in thy words, and at last to be unclean in thy practices. He will first draw thee to look upon the golden wedge, and then to like the golden wedge, and then to handle the golden wedge, and then at last by wicked ways to gain the golden wedge, though thou runnest the hazard of losing God and thy soul forever as you may see in Gehazi 
Achan, and Judas, and many in these our days. Sin is never out of stand. Psalm 1-1 First ungodly, then sinners, then scorners. Here they go on from sin to sin till they come to the top of sin, that is, to sit in the seat of scorners, or as it is in the Septuagint, to affect the honor of the chair of pestilence. Augustine, writing upon John, tells a story of a certain man that was of an opinion that the devil did make the fly and not God. Saith one to him, If the devil made flies, then the devil made worms, and God did not make them, for they are living creatures as well as flies. True, said he, the devil did make worms. But said the other, If the devil did make worms, then he made birds, beasts, and man. He granted all. Thus saith Augustine, by denying God in the fly, became to deny God in man, and to deny the whole creation. Footnote. An Italian, having found his enemy at advantage, promised him if he would deny his faith, he would save his life. He, to save his life, denied his faith, which having done, he stabbed him, rejoicing that by this he had at one time taken revenge both on body and soul. End of footnote. By all this we see that the yielding to lesser sins draws the soul to the committing of greater. Footnote. A young man being long tempted to kill his father, or lie with his mother, or be drunk, he thought to yield to the lesser, to be drunk, that he might be rid of the greater. But when he was drunk, he did both kill his father and lie with his mother. End of footnote. Ah, how many in these days have fallen, first to have low thoughts of scripture and ordinances, and then to slight scripture and ordinances, and then to make a nose of wax of scripture and ordinances, and then to cast off scripture and ordinances, and then at last to advance and lift up themselves in their Christ-dishonoring and soul-damning opinions above scripture and ordinances. Sin gains upon man's soul by insensible degrees. Ecclesiastes 10.13 The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talking is mischievous madness. Corruption in the heart, when it breaks forth, is like a breach in the sea, which begins in a narrow passage, till it eats through and casts down all before it. The debates of the soul are quick and soon ended, and that may be done in a moment that may undo a man forever. When a man hath begun to sin, he knows not where or when or how he shall make a stop of sin. Usually the soul goes on from evil to evil, from folly to folly, till it be ripe for eternal misery. Men usually grow from being naught to be very naught, and from very naught to be stark naught, and then God sets them at naught forever. Remedy 3 The third remedy against this third device that Satan hath to draw the soul to sin is solemnly to consider that it is sad to stand with God for a trifle. Dives would not give a crumb though he should not receive a drop. Luke 16.21 It is the greatest folly in the world to adventure the going to hell for a small matter. I tasted but a little honey, said Jonathan, and I must die. 1 Samuel 14.29 It is the most unkind and unfaithful thing to break with God for a little. Little sins carry with them but little temptations to sin. And then a man shows most viciousness and unkindness 
when he sins on a little temptation. It is devilish to sin without a temptation. It is little less than devilish to sin on a little occasion. The less the temptation is to sin, the greater is that sin. Footnote. It was a vexation to King Lysimachus that his stain to drink one small drop of water lost him his kingdom. And so it will eternally vex some souls at last that for one little sin compared with great transgressions they have lost God, heaven, and their souls forever. End of footnote. Saul's sin in not staying for Samuel was not so much in the matter, but it was much in the malice of it. For though Samuel had not come at all, yet Saul should not have offered sacrifice. But this cost him dear, his soul and his kingdom. It is the greatest unkindness that can be showed to a friend to adventure the complaining, bleeding, and grieving of his soul upon a light and a slight occasion. So it is the greatest unkindness that can be showed to God, Christ, and the Spirit for a soul to put God upon complaining, Christ upon bleeding, and the Spirit upon grieving by yielding to little sins. Therefore, when Satan says it is but a little one, do thou answer that oftentimes there is the greatest unkindness showed to God's glorious majesty in the acting of the least folly, and therefore thou wilt not displease thy best and greatest friend by yielding to his greatest enemy. Remedy 4 The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that there is great danger, yea, many times most danger in the smallest sin. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. 1 Corinthians 5.6 If the serpent wind in his head, he will draw in his whole body after. Greater sins do sooner startle the soul and awaken and rouse up the soul to repentance than lesser sins do. Little sins often slide into the soul and breed and work secretly and undiscernibly in the soul till they come to be so strong as to trample upon the soul and to cut the throat of the soul. There is oftentimes greatest danger to our bodies in the least diseases that hang upon us because we are apt to make light of them and to neglect the timely use of means for removing of them till they are grown so strong that they prove mortal to us. So there is most danger often in the least sins. We are apt to take no notice of them and to neglect those heavenly helps whereby they should be weakened and destroyed till they are grown to that strength that we are ready to cry out the medicine is too weak for the disease I would pray and I would hear but I am afraid that sin has grown up by degrees to such a head that I shall never be able to prevail over it but as I have begun to fall so I shall utterly fall before it and at last perish in it unless the power and free grace of Christ doth act gloriously beyond my present apprehension and expectation The viper is killed by the little young ones that are nourished and cherished in her belly. So are many men eternally killed and betrayed by the little sins, as they call them, that are nourished in their bosoms. I know not, saith one, whether the maintenance of the least sin be not worse than the commission of the greatest, for this may be a frailty that argues obstinacy. A little hole in the ship sinks it, A small breach in the sea bank carries away all before it. A little stab in the heart kills a man, and a little sin without a great deal of mercy will damn a man.
Footnote. One little miscarriage doth, in the eyes of the world, overshadow all a Christian's graces, as one cloud doth sometimes overshadow the whole body of the sun. End of footnote. Remedy 5. The fifth remedy against this device of Satan is solely to consider that other saints have chosen to suffer the worst of torments rather than that they would commit the least sin, that is, such as the world accounts. Footnote. It is better to die with hunger than to eat that which is offered to idols. Augustine. End of footnote. So as you may see in Daniel and his companions, they would rather choose to burn and be cast to the lions than they would bow to the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. When this peccadillo in the world's account and the hot fiery furnace stood in competition that they must either fall into sin or be cast into the fiery furnace, such was their tenderness of the honor and glory of God and their hatred and indignation against sin that they would rather burn than sin. They knew that it was far better to burn for their not sinning than that God and conscience should raise a hell, a fire in their bosoms for sin. Footnote Many heathens would rather die than cozen or cheat one another, so faithful were they one to another. Will not these rise in judgment against many professors in these days who would make nothing of overreaching one another? End of footnote. I have read of that noble servant of God, Marcus Eritreus, minister of a church in the time of Constantine, who in Constantine's time had been the cause of overthrowing an idol's temple. Afterwards, when Julian came to be emperor, he would force the people of that place to build it up again. They were ready to do it, but he refused, whereupon those that were his own people, to whom he preached, took him and stripped him of all his clothes, and abused his naked body, and gave it up to the children, to lance it with their penknives, and then caused him to be put in a basket, and anointed his naked body with honey, and set him in the sun to be stung with wasps. And all this cruelty they showed, because he would not do anything towards the building up of this idle temple. Nay, they came to this, that if he would do but the least towards it, if he would give but a halfpenny to it, they would save him. But he refused all, though the giving of a halfpenny might have saved his life. And in doing this, he did but give up to that principle that most Christians talk of and all profess, but few come up to. That is, that we must choose rather to suffer the worst of torments that men and devils can invent and inflict, than to commit the least sin whereby God should be dishonored, our consciences wounded, religion reproached, and our own souls endangered. Remedy 6 The sixth remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that the soul is never able to stand under the guilt and weight of the least sin when God shall set it home upon the soul. The least sin will press and sink the stoutest sinner as low as hell when God shall open the eyes of a sinner and make him see the horrid filthiness and abominable vileness that is in sin. What so little, base and vile creatures as lice or gnats, and yet by these poor little creatures God so plagued stout-hearted Pharaoh and all Egypt that fainting under it they were forced to cry out, This is the finger of God. Exodus 8, verse 16 and chapter 10, verse 19. When little creatures, yea, the least creatures, shall be armed with the power from God, they shall press and sink down the greatest, proudest, and stoutest tyrants that breathe. 
Footnote. The tyrant Maximinius, who had set forth his proclamation engraven in brass for the utter abolishing of Christ and his religion, was eaten of lice. End of footnote. So when God shall cast a sword into the hand of a little sin and arm it against the soul, the soul will faint and fall under it. Some who have but projected adultery without any actual acting it, and others having found a trifle and made no conscience to restore it, knowing by the light of natural conscience that they did not do as they would be done by, and others that some have had some unworthy thought of God, have been so frightened and amazed and terrified for these sins, which are small in men's account, that they have wished they had never been, that they could take no delight in any earthly comfort, for that they had been put to their wit's ends, ready to make away themselves, and wishing themselves to be annihilated. Footnote. One drop of an evil conscience swallows up the whole sea of worldly joy. How great a pain not to be born comes from the prick of this small thorn, said one. End of footnote. William Perkins mentions a good man, but very poor, who being ready to starve, stole a lamb, and being about to eat it with his poor children, and as his manner was a meat to make a blessing, durst not do it, but fell into a great perplexity of conscience, and acknowledged his fault to the owner, promising payment if ever he should be able. Remedy 7 The seventh remedy against this device is solemnly to consider that there is more evil in the least sin than in the greatest affliction. And this appears as clear as the sun by the severe dealing of God the Father with his beloved Son, who let all the vials of his fiercest wrath upon him, and that for the least sin as well as for the greatest. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, of sin indefinitely, whether great or small. Footnote. Death is the heir of the least sin. The best wages that the least sin gives his soldiers is death of all sorts. In a strict sense, there is no sin little, because no little God to sin against. End of footnote. Oh, how should this make us tremble, as much as the least spark of lust as at hell itself, considering that God the Father would not spare his bosom son, no, not for the least sin, but would make him drink the dregs of his wrath. And so much for the remedies that may fence and preserve our souls from being drawn to sin by this third device of Satan. Device 4 By presenting to the soul the best men's sins and by hiding from the soul their virtues, by showing the soul their sins and by hiding from the soul their sorrows and repentance, as by setting before the soul the adultery of David, the pride of Hezekiah, the impatience of Job, the drunkenness of Noah, the blasphemy of Peter, and by hiding from the soul the tears, the sighs, the groans, the meltings, the humblings, and the repentings of these precious souls. Remedy 1 The first remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that the Spirit of the Lord hath been as careful to note the saints rising by repentance out of sin as he hath by noting their falling into sins. David falls fearfully, but by repentance he rises sweetly. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. 
Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. It is true, Hezekiah's heart was lifted up under the abundance of mercy that God had cast in upon him. And it is as true that Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon him, nor upon Jerusalem in the days of Hezekiah. It is true, Job curses the day of his birth, and it is as true that he rises by repentance. Behold, I am vile, saith he, what shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job 40, verses 4 and 5 and Job 42, verses 5 and 6 Footnote Turretulian saith that he was born for no other purpose but to repent. End of footnote. Peter falls dreadfully but rises by repentance sweetly. A look of love from Christ melts him into tears. He knew that repentance was the key to the kingdom of grace. As once his faith was so great that he leapt, as it were, into the sea of waters to come to Christ. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, 
they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.